You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. He who troubles you, who's teaching you this false doctrine, is going to bear his judgment, whoever he is. You know what, church? It is serious business to cause somebody to stumble. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus said better for you. And you have a millstone tied around your neck and you be thrown into the depths of the sea and you make one of these little ones to stumble. Not as a child, but somebody young in the faith. We've all dealt with our own demons. Whether it's a mistake that we continually make or an addiction that we can't quite seem to escape from. It's hard to move on from what we resent about ourselves. In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to change the trajectory of your life, you need to put your focus on heaven. No matter how hard you try, there will always be someone or something that pulls you back into your despair. Be who you want to be through the saving grace of Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Fate of of false teachers. Now, last time we closed by looking at how false teaching is like leaven in a loaf of bread. Remember that? Once inserted, it spreads until the whole loaf is permeated with it. And we also showed how truth is lost to the children and grandchildren of parents that experienced revival. And that really rang a bell with a lot of people because it's true. How many of you had revival in your younger days, and now your children and grandchildren don't seem to have quite the fire you did. All right. This is what alarmed Paul about the Galatian church, the freshness and the power and the truth of God they had experienced under Paul was being lost through the leaven of false teaching, the teaching of the Judaizers. Now, Paul pulls no punches in telling them the truth. Look at verses eight and nine. He says, let me tell you about these false teachers. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Being led away from the doctrine of grace is not coming from God. When you and I are led away from the doctrine of saved by grace through faith, it's never from God. He said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And anytime our faith is sabotaged, rest assured, that evil influence did not come from Jesus who called you. It is from the enemy of your soul. Come to rob you of your joy and faith. That's what he's after. Devil's not out to give you a flat tire or make something go bump in the night. He's out for your faith. He's out to really shipwreck you. Now, next, Paul tells them of his confidence in their character and in their faith. He says in verse 10, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. Now, he's appealing to them. He's saying, I believe in you. But more than that, I believe in the faith that is in you. I'm sure, he says, that you won't take that final, fatal step into apostasy. Strong words going on here, folks. This is rubber meets the road kind of stuff. They have been dilly-dallying with very serious error. And so the great apostle was confident that not 
one of them had been truly saved or who had been truly saved would journey into the darkness of apostasy. Backsliding and apostasy are two different things. A backslider stumbles into sin and often becomes ensnared in some kind of a bondage. Something gets him out there and he's, he, he sinks. He drifts from God. He may be away from God for a season or he may be away for years. I've known people who are away for years. Yet the Holy Spirit never ceases to convict him and the Father chastens him. How many of you have ever slid just a little bit? Tell the truth. Wow, I am. All right. But have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit never left you alone, stayed with you as much as he can give you peace, he can make you miserable. And the Father can take you to the woodshed like no one else. But guess what? He never disowns the backslider. Now, all of you who were taught otherwise were taught wrong. As the prodigal son was ever, ever still the father's son, so is the backslider. The father never said to the prodigal, all right, I'm done with you. I disown you. He didn't do that. He waited for him to come home. And when he came home, he welcomed him as his what? Son. But the apostate is different. The apostate is one who, having been enlightened to the truth, repudiates it, turns away from it, denounces Christ, and embraces some kind of an error. Apostasy. It's my understanding of Scripture, this person was never saved. He was close. Hebrews says that they are those who have once been enlightened. Look at that description. They've once been enlightened. They have tasted the heavenly gift. They have shared in the Holy Spirit. And they have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming of age. The coming age. Now you say, well, that sounds like somebody saved me. But no, people all the time come to church services and hear the truth of the word. During worship, they're very aware of the presence of God. Maybe not like you and me, but they see him moving. They see miracles performed by him. They are aware of the reality of Christ. They have a taste of it. They're not fully in, but they have a taste of it. And seeing those things, they taste the goodness of God. But these same people never truly come to Christ. They're on the outside looking in. They're on the periphery. But they never step over into Jesus be my Lord and the Savior. They never get saved. Churches are full of them every week. Billy Graham said the greatest harvest field in the world is the church. These same people never come to Christ. Later, they apostatize from the truth and they embrace error. Remember, Jesus said on the day of judgment, many would say to him, read it with me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? That sounds like somebody saved me. And then what does Jesus say to them? Let's read it together. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice. Wait a minute. These people were doing miracles in his name, 
but living lawless lives. Wow. Now that'll humble you, won't it? They, they, they knew the power of his name. They knew the reality of Christ, but they lived lawless lives. So they had never been saved. So there you have it. These individuals were no strangers to his power, his presence, and the authority in his name, yet they never knew him. This is the kind of person Hebrews is pointing to. Only these can truly apostatize. Backsliding and apostasy, two different things. Quiet in here tonight. That's why the Bible says, examine yourself, that you be in the faith. Make sure you're saved. Now, back to the Galatians. Paul is confident that not a one of his genuine children in the faith would follow through into total apostasy. And he says of the Judaizers trying to take them away, I love this verse 10. I tell you, I like Paul. He was tough. Paul was a man. Now look at how he's going to talk to them. He who troubles you, who's teaching you this false doctrine, is going to bear his judgment, whoever he is. You know what, church? It is serious business to cause somebody to stumble. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus said better for you than you have a millstone tied around your neck and you be thrown into the depths of the sea than you make one of these little ones to stumble. Not as a child, but somebody young in the faith. Especially if you intentionally sabotage their faith with false teaching. The Judaizers' judgment was certain. Paul was a firm believer in God's holding men accountable for their actions and what you sow, you will reap. We're talking about that verse this weekend. Now next, Paul uncovers one of the lies the Judaizers had spread about him, that he still preached circumcision, that he also still had one foot in Judaism and the other in Christianity. They were spreading these kind of lies. Say, oh, Paul teaches what we do. He's teaching the same thing we're telling you. And man, that just infuriated the Apostle Paul with righteous indignation. And look what he says in verse 11. I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I suffering persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. This was a bald-faced lie. He says, look, if I'm still preaching circumcision, then why in the world am I being persecuted? Because you know as well as I do that if I was preaching circumcision, I wouldn't be getting persecuted. But I'm getting persecuted because of the offense of the cross. You know, that cross, anytime you preach it, teach it, share it, it's either going to get them saved or it's going to offend them. The offense of the cross. He said, I'm preaching the, preaching the cross. And because of that, I am persecuted day and night and night and day. And my life is in jeopardy every hour because of the cross. He says, they're lying to you about me. I'm not preaching circumcision. Now next, Paul expresses his righteous indignation over the whole Judaizing mess by saying, verse 12, I want you all to read this with me because here's where he really gets real. Ready? I could wish they were cut off who trouble you. This phrase, cut off, is from the Greek word apokopto, apokopto. And it means to emasculate, to castrate, to mutilate, to amputate. 
Everybody say, ooh. (laughs) Now he's getting real. But that's what it means. I can't tell you something the word doesn't mean. Apocopto, that's what it means. He is not wishing a good thing on these men. It's the same word used of cutting off the servant's ear by Simon Peter. He pulled out that sword and cut off that servant's ear. Same word, apocopto. The Judaizers wanted Paul's converts to be circumcised, to submit to a minor amputation to enhance their religious standing. Scornfully, Paul says, what they need to do is go all the way and make eunuchs of themselves. Put another way, I hope the knife slips. I'm just telling you what it says. There's no way the apostle Paul said that. Yes, he did. It's right there. I wish you could see the faces of all the men in here when I'm teaching. In today's PC culture, Paul would be accused, oh, you know he would, of intolerance and not showing love. How could he talk that way about these poor men, these false teachers? He ought to love them. He was completely justified in saying such a thing to men who were trying to cut off the Gentile believers from their faith in Christ. He says, you want to cut them off from faith? Then I can share a word or two that I wish happened to you. Paul was fierce as a bear when defending its cubs when it came to defending his converts from cultists. Where has this kind of boldness gone? Why are we so afraid to just tell the truth? Why are we always walking on glass, always afraid of saying the wrong thing? I like this. If I had false teachers come in here among you, I would be just as fierce. Now, I don't know if I'd say that to them, but I think of something else to say. Because I'm not going to let your faith be destroyed by a cult. So I would be like a she-bear protecting her cubs. It's the way we should be. I'm not going to say to them, oh, come on in, let's blend. Can't we all just get along? Do you see that here? He couldn't do that. There's a time when you've got to call a spade a spade, a snake a snake, wrong, wrong, and right, right. Now, so far we've seen the foundation of our liberty and the foes of our liberty, but next Paul discusses the frontiers of our liberty. If we've learned anything in Galatians, it is that we are what in Christ? Free. Can you say it good and loud? Free. And also that the law has no claim on us as it relates to our righteousness. You don't get righteous by the law. No way. It's only by grace, through faith, in the finished work of Christ that we ever are declared righteous by God. That's it. It comes by faith alone. Yet free as we are, we cannot do certain things because of love. I want you to pause with me a minute and think. We don't live by the law. We live by grace. But love for the Lord will make us draw the line at certain things. Not just our love for the Lord, but our love for each other. There are certain things you shouldn't do because of the person sitting next to you. You may be able to, 
but you shouldn't. Now, let me give you an example. I, I will not drink. I don't drink. Don't drink a drop. Never. Now, many reasons. Me and alcohol don't mix. I don't need it. I don't want it. I love having my mind, my thoughts clear. But also, we have a lot of people in our church that struggle with alcohol. And I want them to be able to come up to me and say, hey, pastor, do you ever drink? I don't want to have to say, well, yeah, you know, every once in a while. Because then they'll go, well, if he can't, I. So the law of love says, don't do it. I want you to know you don't need it. You don't need it. That's just my stand. You don't need it for any reason. I personally believe every sip you take is a sip towards a bad decision. Bad decisions increase with every sip. Okay, enough of that. Because you're looking at me like, oh, man, I didn't come for this tonight. <laughs> All right. Our love for others will ensure that other things are equally impossible. This is what we mean by using the word frontiers. Frontiers have parameters, lines in the sand. We're not free to cross certain frontiers. For instance, we're not free to indulge in carnality. Look what he says in verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I had somebody say to me one time with a straight face uh, who was living in sexual sin, and they said this to me. But the Bible says, Pastor Jeff, that to the pure, all things are pure. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He was using his liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And so let me remind us here, we have not been set free to sin. We are set free from sin. All right? We are no longer dead in sin, thank God. We are dead to sin. That's good stuff. We can pause and see law on that one the rest of the night. I want you to know, Jesus didn't save you so you can have liberty to go do what you want. He saved you so you can have the power to do what you should. To abuse our freedom to indulge the flesh would not be liberty, but license. Now, now that we are free in Christ, we should operate in love by serving others. Read verse 14 with me. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. The whole law they were so zealous to want to keep was fulfilled in one word, love. If you love, you will fulfill the law. So says Paul, if you want to keep the law, there it is, love each other. And if you love each other, you won't break the law. Not only are we not free to indulge the flesh, but we're also not free to indulge in conflict, which churches are very, very known for. Look what he said in verse 15. He's talking about Christian cannibalism. That's right. Look at verse 15 and read it with me. If this isn't cannibalism, I don't know what is. You're eating people. Isn't that what it says? All right, let's read it. But if you and devour one another... Beware lest you be consumed, eating each other alive. Wow. Churches can literally devour and consume one another when disunity appears. When disunity appears and there's a church fight, 
I have seen Christians devour one another. Have you ever noticed this about the world, particularly liberals? One of their own can do something terrible, but they will still stick with them. You've ever noticed that? You know why the Tower of Babel had to be stopped by God? Because they were so unified that the only thing that could stop them was an act of God. They were unified in a wicked endeavor. So often you will see church people who ought to be more unified than anybody. I mean, if the wicked can be unified in a wicked endeavor, we ought to be completely unbreakably unified in a righteous endeavor. And yet not much, don't take much. And we're at each other, consuming one another, slandering each other, devouring one another, eating each other alive. Church is split. Christ is not glorified. Happens all the time. We need to stick together. You do something terrible. I take you under my wing and say, have you repented? Yes. I forgive you too. I'm with you. I'm not going to turn on you. I'm not going to put you out to pasture because you make a mistake. I'm going to kick you out. Treat you like you've got the plague. But I want to see you restored. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus. The Galatians have been fighting and quarreling with each other, likely over the keeping of the law. It is always the case that when the leaven of false doctrine is injected into a community, Discord and disunity are at the door because it causes dissension. But good doctrine brings unity. Good teaching brings unity every time. We should never attempt to settle problems by fighting and quarreling. Let me give you a little advice. Hot heads don't bring cool-headed solutions. The best fighter is never angry. He's calculated and wise never angry. At the beginning of chapter five, I said that Paul would next discuss four laws, the law of liberty in Christ. Let's read these together. Four laws that we're going to see in this. We've already seen a couple of them. The law of liberty in Christ, law of likeness to Christ, the law of love for Christ, and the law of life in Christ. We just looked at the first one, the law of liberty. Now let's look at the law of likeness to Christ. All of Paul's letters all of them deal with belief followed by behavior. He said, if I give you truth, I want you to walk it out. Don't just be a hearer of the word and not a doer. But when you hear truth, it is so that you will walk it out. Do what you hear. Always principle followed by practice. That's all that Paul wrote. That, that's the way he wrote everything he did. Here's the principle, here's the truth. Now walk it out, practice it, and live it. Now, the end to all his teaching is that we are to be like Jesus. He wants us to understand that God has made provision for us to be truly like Jesus. How many of you believe that? Now, those of you that are married, I wonder if I could ask, you know the person you're married to knows more than anybody else? If you're more like Jesus than you were last year, you can ask Kathy, is Jeff more like Jesus than he was last year? Don't ask her. I'm just saying you could. Nobody knows you like the ones you live with, right? But the people we live with ought to be able to say, 
You know, I know them very well, and they are more like Jesus than they were last year. We love it when we hear good news, but what happens when the bad news comes around? Oftentimes, we ignore it, don't take it seriously, or just focus even more on the good news. Today, we learned from Pastor Jeff that you need to listen to the good news of salvation through Christ. Like all news, there is good news and there is bad news, and you need to take it seriously. The good news is you can be saved and be freed through Jesus. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's next. When's the last time you truly felt taken care of? We all have people in our life who are there for us. But have you ever had all of your needs truly taken care of by someone? Today, Pastor Jeff explained that God is sovereign over all the earth, and He wants to take care of you. In every biblical instance where His people are in need, God is always there in the perfect timing. If you want to experience true love and feel secure, follow Jesus. There is more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Galatians, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.